gonna say like <clears throat> you're kind of naturally like myself where it's like a, a softer spoken person like right <laughs> like i don't see like a lot of like what yeah yeah certain guys i'm always like i gotta turn that down turn that like and as soon as i turn it down they start whispering and i'm like right dude either <laughs> it's not whisper or yelling please just talk <laughs> yeah and i've had people say that i was yelling on stage too so i never know i still don't have a good gauge about my volume i'm still learning i think it's when it's appropriate you know it's like oh when you're gonna yell because it's like a heightened moment at the climax of the joke okay i get it but you just come on stage and then you just start yelling at people like right, right from the gate. Give people a chance, man. <laughs> Ebbs and flows. I don't know. It's so hard to like say like, oh, I'm an expert. Yeah, yeah I've been in it for eight months. <laughs> how are how are you with the uh, the bright lights on your face? Like that that still throws me. Like I want to get used to the blinding lights where I can't see anybody. I like the idea of like almost seeing. Like I like the idea now where it's like you want to see a few people. Yeah, but you also because you want to gauge reactions, you want to because that's a lot of open mics too. Where like I've noticed, like a lot of people aren't laughing out loud, but they're smiling. They're at least right. like okay, they liked it. They didn't have to go like, oh my god, that was the funniest thing you've ever said or the funniest thing I've ever heard. But at least it like made them smile. They're not like checking their phone. <laughs> right? Are you more comfortable though, like not being able to see people out there? I like it. I definitely like not seeing people. Yeah. But enough to know it's like, okay, there's people out there. But yeah, the more times I've like seen the whole crowd, the more times I get nervous. <laughs> at the when we were at uh at the doll hut, Ryan Papazian or is yeah. it Papazian? I'm that sorry. Guy was I always, hilarious. He's so funny and he planted something in my head where I couldn't stop laughing during the rest <laughs> of the show. He's like, the funniest thing you'll ever hear in the audience is like right after someone's joke and you hear someone go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my head. And I actually heard someone do that to me once. Uh, they just said, Jesus. It's like, it's like that's always a vote of confidence. With it's like, oh, I must be doing really bad. I also like that uh, I've, I've gotten a few groans. I've gotten a few like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, those are painful too. <laughs> Yeah, audible groans. Do you find it, like, scary to be put into a category of, like, oh, he's this type of comic? Or do you want to be, like, considered, oh, yeah, I'm a I'm a storyteller, or, yeah, I'm an insult comic, or whatever it is? Uh, I mean, not yet, obviously, because there's no demand for Marty Worst yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm a worse comic. So to have any <laughs> label would be nice right now, even if I was the douchebag comic, but, like, thousands of people do me. <laughs> and I got booked on cruises all the time. Uh, <laughs> Come to the Caribbean with the douchebag comic. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the unknown comic, the dude with the paper bag on his head or whatever. Yeah. So I'll be the douchebag. But um, <laughs> What's going to be, like, your, like... My thing? Your Ugh, gimmick with know. the douchebag. Are you going to, like, bring out a douche on stage? Yeah. Like, who's getting douche tonight? It's, that's my one prop comedy thing. <laughs> I just have a... So I, have, I bring out a trunk, and there's one douchebag in there. <laughs> and they're uh, all dying to get douched. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think I'm afraid of a label. I, I mean, I could see that being really frustrating later if you can only get one type of gig. But uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there's some people that are happy with that as long as they have a steady income. They're probably just 
fine with just doing whatever clean comedy or or you know or my friend Molly who does the military wives where yeah, she, she yeah. tours and all that. There is something to be said about like typecast, but on the other hand it's like if you're in gigs every other week, then what's wrong with being typecast? Right, right. <laughs> like what do you want more? Like to be known as an artist or yeah. to be getting you know making a living? Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't reach out to anyone until I went out of town. That was the first time I asked people to put me on a show. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, the first time someone put me up, it was a great like lesson because I uh, this place called Echoes Under Sunset that is no more uh, in Silver Lake. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, I might be brought back, but um, <laughs> uh, there was like two people in the audience when I went up, and I always bomb there, and it was like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really depressing. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess someone was laughing in the audience, and then after the show. Uh, uh, comedian, I don't know if you know him, Tony Bartoloni. He comes yeah, up to I me. Yeah, I met him at my radio station, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's yeah. totally sweet. He said he loved this bit that I did. I was doing a character, and he asked me to be on a show. And it was like my first show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and uh, and there were like really cool comics on it. And I just did like a tiny bit, um, like just a little improv bit. Yep. But yep. it was so much fun. And it's like you never know who's, in, who's watching you. Like, that was a huge lesson to me. Like, some of these open mics could be so bleak. But if there's two or three people listening, it's like, you don't know who they are. You know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that might, you might uh, make a connection or, you know, just have a nice little chat afterwards. Oh yeah. I've had that exactly what you're saying where there's, you know, you feel like you're horrible and then, yeah, you walk by one guy and he's like, great set, man. Yeah. And it makes your night. <laughs> and you're like, well, at least one guy thought it was cool. Like, you're like, wait, could you say that again into the microphone? <laughs> I want to play this back before I go to sleep. Wait, can I call my girlfriend real quick and tell her? Could you leave me this voicemail about how I changed your life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could totally make or break your night. Yep, yep. So. Especially, yeah, when you think you fucking tanked and yeah. you're just like, why do I do this? And then there's one guy that's like, hey, man, keep it up. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I do it. <laughs> Hello, guys, and welcome once again to This Comics Life. This is your host, me, D. Williams, a.k.a. Daryl Williams, a.k.a. Dumbass, and hanging out with my new bestest friend, comedian extraordinaire, Marty Worst. Hey, everybody, I'm Marty Worst, the worst comedian or the douchebag comic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Great to be here. (laughs) It's a callback. (laughs) Oh, I got to say real quick, I feel so bad. Um, I've been invited on a podcast before. This is my very first podcast Hey-o. being a guest. Popping the virgin so, chair. Yeah, thank you. But I did turn down a friend, uh, this guy named Grant, who has a podcast. Mm. Uh, you might know him. I, I, feel, I felt bad because I didn't do it and I was nervous about just improvising. Uh, <laughs> so apologies, Grant. It's nothing personal. It was more about me feeling pressured to be funny and improvise through a whole episode. Yeah, I've told you, uh, Marty, definitely not be funny on this. Don't do anything funny. <laughs> and Daryl knew that I was capable of never being funny, so he had me on. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, uh, we both agreed we could talk about comedy, and, and yeah. I feel comfortable doing that. And even so, I'm still drinking a beer to get loose. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the uh, the vibes loosened. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, this is definitely interesting because uh, I I find it so like second nature to me now being you know kind of a 
I've been in radio for a long time and I also did, you know, I've been doing this for a little bit and, um, it's like, I find it, yeah, kind of almost like funny, but in a good times, like, oh wow, people get nervous. Like I'm so like, this is, I almost think it's like the, the same thing with comedy too, where it's like, I used to like shit bricks. Yeah. When I first was like, you know, going on stage and I, I talk about it in the podcast, but now it's like, I'm not saying I don't get nervous, but it's, it's definitely a different nerves. It's more like, I hope this goes well. Not like, I can't believe I'm up here. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. We're doing stand up, and I suddenly feel the pressure with this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know if it's just, you want, I guess you just All right, want be yourself, funny now. <laughs> you just want to come off a certain way and not like a total idiot. And I, but uh, it's the observer syndrome. It's like yeah. so many times when like, oh, I'm just funny naturally hanging out with my friends. But then, yeah, put a microphone in front of me and it's like, yeah. what? What? Yeah. And then you've had, you know, you've had guests like Jason King and like really nice comedians that are just totally comfortable in their own skin. Mm. And I've never been that guy. <laughs> like, I wish I could just say whatever I wanted and not be like overanalyzing what I just said. Right. But I'm sure, yeah, if you ask him and, you know, you, you think like, hey, man, what's up with that? How's it, why does it come so natural? He's like, what? Yeah. I, I, I do this. Like, it's really hard to get out of bed and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's – I think that's what's funny about, like, comedy is, like, you don't want to look like you're trying. But if, you know, you don't try, you're not going to be anything. Like, you're not right. going to make it if you're not trying. But don't look like you're trying. <laughs> um, I don't know about that because I mean I feel like there's a lot of respect for people that are workhorses, but I don't know if it's just a thing about I don't know if it's just being a comedian being younger where their priorities are kind of different. Mm. You know, we meet a lot of young guys. I'm 36, so I feel like a real right old fart compared to a <laughs> lot of the people I hang out with. I'm 34. So oh, you're 34. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people are you know kind of chasing girls all the time and i i totally would have been into that like 10 years ago yeah the priorities have changed when you're like you know doing comedies in your 30s versus in your early 20s <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i do have a girlfriend too so i'm not i'm but i'm not really into the drugs either like a lot of right. guys are right. it's a it's a major social thing too which i understand but um it's hard for me to like hang out afterwards and like want to party do you remember or do you still do any of your uh, original material? I do one joke occasionally because it still sort of gets a laugh, but it's it's more visual, so it won't translate here. But yeah, it's so funny uh, what we think is worthy of a first set, and you realize you only have about 30 seconds of actual jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, I, it's I like have... so much setup and so much like just ramble. Yeah, like I'll read my set list. Bob Marley, Cat Clicking, Man of Steel, which was barely a joke. I was just talking about how funny Lawrence Fishburne looked when he was running away from the collapsing building. So I did an impression of that. <laughs> and then, did you put yourself in blackface? Jesus. <laughs> my there's career. Jesus. Yeah, there's the Jesus. <laughs> That's what it takes. Come in full blackface. circle. You hear someone say Jesus in the audience. Uh uh, but no, that would have been. That probably would have been appropriate because I did my first <laughs> open mic at Marty's. Um, I did Marty's. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a garage, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I guess. I still don't At know what to call it. a sober living home or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. A couple offices and uh, sort of a creep factor. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people love that place. I um, did a black joke there that did not go well at yeah. all. And I still haven't been able to kind of grasp it or whatever. I know that there's some funny in it. I mm-hmm. just haven't been able to crack the code yet, but it's the like how a lot of people mistake me for being a black guy just hearing my name. Right, right. And it's like every time I just, like, hmm. no matter what setup I've tried or no matter what, like, thing I, I go, as soon as I say it, people just, you know. <sighs> I like that idea, though. Like, you show up somewhere and they just know you by name, Daryl Williams, assuming. They, <laughs> and I can see something funny there. And it's really been most of the time it's, like, telemarketers and stuff. It's, like, people calling me up and then, like, you know, they're, like, hitting me up for, like, you know, low-cost insurance or whatever, and then they start asking me, like, you know, well, what, what's your demo? And, like, and I'll say white guy, and they're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I am. And they're like, okay. It's a funny story when it's just me t- me and you right, talking right. in, you know, the backyard or whatever. But, like, on stage, people are like, who cares? Like, it's not that funny. <laughs> right. Well, that's the problem, too. Like, a lot of comedians – will just embellish and that's where the, the they stretch the truth where it a becomes lot of my totally, early stuff was like that yeah. yeah i'm an easy laugh like i could laugh almost pretty much at anything like, yeah i see so many comics and i'm laughing and i almost feel like a douche because i'm the only one laughing <laughs> oh, oh like you think they misinterpreted it as mocking yeah, like or? oh you're like like you're giving me some sympathy and I'm like, well, I thought that was actually funny. Like <laughs> I've, I've met some comics that are bastards that like do a fake laugh when over someone's mm-hmm, joke that mm-hmm. they're not digging. And just like, dude, that's not cool. Well, I'll do those like, like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like a huge, like laugh. It's just like a, hmm. <laughs> is it is it genuine or is it kind of like yeah, you appreciate what he's genuine. doing? Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like and I will admit sometimes you see a joke and it totally falls flat. Yeah, and the fact that it falls flat, you're like, man, <laughs> that's funny. Like yeah. it fell that flat. I thought it was going to get somebody to laugh. <laughs> like, nobody laughed? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes that makes me laugh the hardest. Not when someone necessarily bombs, but how they handle it immediately after. <laughs> and their segue is so fucking funny. Where they're just yes. like, oh, so anyway, peanut butter. And I'm like, oh my God, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, this is just like a straight-faced transition. I've had some... so funny. In my own sets, I've learned that myself, where it's like, if you react to somebody not, like that joke not working nine times out of 10, that will get a laugh. Right. Right. The reaction like, Oh man, I fucking sucked a dick on that one. Yeah. Cause it, I think it's just cause it's genuine. People love it when you're vulnerable. Um, sometimes you'll say something genuinely funny too. Cause you're just like so down on yourself in that moment. I always uh, like the comics that go like, fuck you. That was funny. Right. Do you really? <laughs> that bothers me. I hate it when people say this killed. At flappers, like, yeah, well, it didn't kill here, asshole. There's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with you. I, w- I, I think com- comics should take responsibility for their failures right. and not be like, right. I killed. That Joe killed at the embassy <laughs> or whatever the fuck. He's killed for the president. My mom laughed at that every time I told her. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel comfortable with that, where you, you start off with a total truthful story, but then it just goes... You take it into an unbelievable realm? Well, I guess abs- you can get away with absurd, because then they'll know that you're you're just being crazy or whatever. But if you're still... If you don't believe in it on stage, where you know that this is the part of the story that's not truthful... I'm just going to lose my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tie it into something that uh, I've heard your uh, Kill Tony said. Oh, God, here we go. Jesus. Red Band, your first attempt was uh, he was saying that same thing where, like, you were talking about the homeless corn and the cans and all that. Put your hands together for your next comedian, Marty Worst. Bitch, I'm Young Khalifa, filling my lungs with reefer. Somewhere in the clouds, got a fresh under seals. Oh, yeah, Marty Worst. So fast that I Here caught a ticket speed, and then my bitch so bad that. Hey guys. <sighs> All right. Lost my virginity at a canned foods drive. <laughs> my friend put me up to it. He's like, Marty. If you want to get some pussy, got to go to a canned foods drive. I said, that's crazy. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm in. What do I have to do? He says, take this can of peas and you're in like gold, baby. So I went down there. And there was a woman outside. She was stacking cre- uh, cans of creamed corn in the back of a wagon. And I say, excuse me, miss. That's a lot of creamed corn you got there. So I was trying to be smooth. She said, get your own cream corn, motherfucker. These are mine. And I was really startled, so I gave her my can of peas, and her tone suddenly changed. She said, you want to get out of here? I said, I'll pull the wagon. All right, I'm already worse. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) What the? I see why your last name's worst. I thought it was absurd enough where people weren't going I to liked it. believe I, me. Because I heard that's the weird thing is like I've heard this bit that you were saying on that show yeah. at clubs and it went over well. It's not like it died or it wasn't like an unfunny bit. I'll just say the whole bit is I say I lost my virginity at a canned foods drive. And that like that tickled me. I thought I that thought- premise alone was funny to me and that it was goofy enough that no one would believe it. But I think the problem lies is that when I say that, people actually think there's a seed of doubt where they're like, oh, I wonder if he has. And then they see that I'm completely lying and it pisses them off. Mm. And they see through it real quick. Or the joke's just not funny. I don't know. But <laughs> it, but when I did that joke, man, like Brian Moses barely looked at me. He was it just I don't know if he had an off day or if he was just pissed off about my material. Yeah, Brian Redband seemed offended that uh i don't know i don't even know if he, he heard was the, the same thing joke. with my, my my with my set too it was the same thing where it was like automatically he was just like what the fuck are you talking about and you're yeah. like uh joke <laughs> yeah and i don't know i mean it's one thing if you don't like a joke but the whole kill tony thing is <laughs> you know it was more of a personal attack about my mm. appearance and mm. And I was not ready for that, and I don't know how fresh it is in your mind, but yeah, I, I know Tony took pity on me at the end. He's like, mm. you look like you're about to cry. <laughs> and I was seriously kind of like, I fucked up in the head because I, I didn't think I was going to be attacked for, you know, just my my physical appearance. Right, and, right. And, I and that's realized, the thing about that show is that yeah. they they do that. They just, they're looking for any material to just pick apart. Right. And you're the punching bag, especially even if you do well, you're still the punching bag. Right. 
and and now I know like I I stayed away for a few months because I was devastated. But your second set did way better. Yeah, my second set was okay. I hate internet trolls. I hate them leaving their hateful comments everywhere, poisoning the atmosphere. It's like, do they get up in the morning with their, like, Apple Jacks? They go sit at the computer, and they're like, all right, how can I fuck up someone's day? And they go to the YouTube search engine, and they type something like, happy event. And the first video that comes up is, like, a kitten falling asleep. They write something like, that kitten's a gay piece of shit. <laughs> all right. It's not even 10 o'clock. almost reached my quota. It's going to be a good day. I love it when there's a whole string of hateful comments like going all the way down the YouTube page and then right smack dab in the middle is a genuine compliment. So it's like, opinions are not facts, asshole. Suck a dick, homo. Great video. Now I know how to make a birdhouse. <laughs> what did you say, gay wad? Shove that birdhouse up your ass. <laughs> when you go to the profile page, it's always some militant 15-year-old holding a rifle like, ugh. All right, thanks. I'm already worse. Yeah, fuck yeah. The but they still kind of was like, hey, you look like this. Why don't you smoke weed? Blah, blah, blah. Well, like all that other shit. And you're like, uh. Well, I knew there was a problem because they kept calling me like a creeper and like a pedophile mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And Yeah, because who was with you that was 20? Oh, that- yeah, that was the problem. So um, Dakota Freeman wasn't 21 yet. And I was waiting I outside. I knew he was talking about Dakota. Yeah, and he's not allowed inside the comedy store unless he's, unless he's called up. Then he can come in and out. Yes. Um, so I was waiting outside of the comedy store with him to keep him company. And I was listening through the door of the belly room to see if we were getting called. And then they finally let me in. And, you know, they found out that I was hanging out with someone underage. <laughs> and once again, they start calling me the pedophile. Yep. And it's yep, my second appearance. Yep. And uh, <laughs> Spencer Callender, a fellow comedian. Yeah, I know him too. He's like, hey, yeah, I first knew you from Kill Tony as the pedophile guy. <laughs> I don't want this. I don't want this to spread. Yeah, I, that's not the kind of label I want. We were talking about labels. I'm not the pedophile comedian. You don't want Jesus. to be the pedophile comic. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's in high in demand. But no. that's the thing too is that I talk about uh, you know Mowgli not a, not losing his loincloth throughout the whole movie, right? And I turn into a pedophile too. Like it's just those types <laughs> well, of things. That makes more logical sense. That I they understand. Would jump to that because you started with that. My joke had nothing to do with pedophilia. That's true. That is true. But I do like that troll bit. Do you do that troll bit like still or? Oh, the internet troll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah occasionally, I I still need it to is a funny clean bit. it up. But I, yeah, I definitely felt better about that. It was cool to perform in front of Morgan Murphy and Greg Fitzsimmons. They yeah. seemed really cool. Um, but but now I know that so much of the the show is about the post interview, and yes. I'm a very boring interview. And I, you know, and now my defenses are. I don't know. Up. I'll have some audience members tell me you weren't at least a little boring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, they're digging for you know something crazy. As you know, they you know they. And that's what I almost felt like at that moment. I was like, "Oh, you want something crazy? I'll right. tell you something crazy." Right. No, and I I feel like if they asked me the right question, I probably would have been fuck it. I'll just tell them something I've never told anyone before, and mm-hmm. I would have regretted it. <laughs> but uh, but they didn't do it. They kind of eased off on me, and and Tony even said like, uh, "You're a good sport about the." The, the pedophile thing because yeah. he realized they, how many times they said it mm-hmm, to me mm-hmm. but uh, what's so weird too is that you know something that you're going to remember your whole life is just another Tuesday to them you right. know other people are just like oh yeah I made fun of you I don't even remember right right yeah they're in a position of power and like this is that's their whole shtick and that's a lot of cheap shots and and, and hey I I love the show. I love listening to it. I love it, it too. That's why I wanted to be on it. This whole, like, ever since I started, I was listening way beyond that. Yeah. And, you know, even before a comic, I'm always like, wouldn't it be cool to just kill on that and to just have them go like, wow, this is awesome. And then you turn into the regular, you know, like, (laughs) I'm just thinking of all this, like, what if and all this and then like I ended up but that's the thing all of that gets you to go yeah and then once you go you get all that smashed on you <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you go oh wait I, this isn't the the time they tell you like you're awesome no yeah. this is the time they tell you you suck <laughs> yeah this is a humbling experience. Like every night you go on stage, you know, you go in thinking like, okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. Yeah. And then you get instantly a feedback of like, yeah, that wasn't funny. Right. Or that did kind of make a laugh here and there. And then you just, it's so like, whoa, I was thinking of this for eight hours and then, yep, made somebody laugh. Yeah. Or didn't make somebody laugh. Right, like. Right. And I just find it so, like, that's so amazing because it's, like, I don't know. Like, it feels so much better than any, like, tweet or any type of, like, yeah. social media thing. Like, I've – I mean, yeah, it feels cool to get eight likes, but it get, it feels so much better to get one person laughing in front of me. Oh, man, yeah. That's, that's the most exciting thing, especially if it's a joke that you find genuinely funny and you're trying it yes. out for the first time. And, yeah, the first time you get a laugh where you're like, oh, wow, this might actually work. Like, to me, that's the best feeling. Uh, and then all the groupies afterwards that want to <laughs> And all the pussy bones. afterwards, man. Right. I do it for the pussy. That, that comes a close second. <laughs> no, but, yeah, that first laugh is amazing for a new bit. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. this might actually work. But then you end up doing another mic. It doesn't get a laugh. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah, the that fucking joke mics. worked. Yesterday, <laughs> what's wrong with you assholes? <laughs> I, I just, I just don't like when people vocalize. Just keep it to yourself. Okay, it worked somewhere else, but figure out why it's not working. Don't yeah. take it out on the audience because, like, oh, you're not smart enough to get my fucking genius joke. And that's the thing. Like you would assume, like most of the greats are like, you know, wherever I say this, it's it's hitting. Yeah, it's not gonna be like, oh, this audience just didn't get it. It's yeah. like, no, I'm going to make it or build it in a way where they're going to get it. <laughs> and there's always a chance that they're not listening, too, depend- <laughs> depending on what open mic we're at. Yes. So yes. It's, it's so hard to gauge like how the joke is doing sometimes. Yes. And and even like the like the best comedians, some I feel like a lot of them don't even listen to all their sets because it is a painful thing to listen to. Oh, sure. And I want to 
that's the thing. And that's why I also made this podcast to begin with is that I love to see the struggle. Like I want, I felt like it's such a treat to not see a guy's hour set that's on Netflix, but to see him creating that set from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, I went and saw Gary Shandling one time at the Comedy Magic Club. Yeah, awesome. And it wasn't like he wasn't billed or anything. He just, it was a pop in, you know. It was like one of those, like, oh, we're going to see 20 comics and it's just a cavalcade of, you know, just up and comers. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, fifth comic in, Gary Shandling shows up. Right, right. And he's doing all. Just he straight up has a notebook and is just straight up like, "Hey, uh, what do you guys think about this? You think this is funny?" And just rolls off a joke and just yeah. has you know he's totally doing all of his material for the first time, and yeah, a bunch of it was like he would straight up go, "All right, gotta rewrite that shit," yeah, yeah. <laughs> or figure out that more. But it was that was my first glimpse into like, oh. The pros do it too. Like everybody is going through the same. Like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially as a new comedian, that's such an exciting thing to experience. Just like because from the outside, you just think like, oh, it's just polished from the get go. Oh, like yeah, he yeah. just had this thing funny, like written right from the get, and you're like, no, he said that five hundred times, man. Yeah, it's so hard to explain, and not to sound like, oh, we're. It's so fucking complex, this comedian thing. <laughs> it's not, but to understand like what goes into it to make it as good as it is, to get your own special. Like it's so funny when people say, "When are you getting a special?" Like, um, uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm getting a special next week. And yeah. it's not just about that. There's like so much that goes into it, uh, and I'm still figuring out. I mean, I'll be figuring it out for the next ten, twenty years. I'm sure. Yeah, and and a lot of comics, especially A-listers, they don't want to show the person or the audience behind the curtain you know they don't they don't let people put their uh you know five minute comedy store bit uh on youtube or whatever like they're not those right. guys that are like they're actually like the opposite of like anti like nothing should be on until i have it on a special right right and it's like i get it on one hand but on the other hand it's like to me and you or to a lot of other audiences it's like but don't you want to show the craft don't you want to show the the of evolution yeah that's that's tough because um i, feel I understand that it gets stale or it's not f fresh or whatever i don't know i don't know i think from a comedian's perspective it's fascinating i would love to watch chris what i let me try that again. I would have loved <laughs> to Rock. have watched Chris Rock work on his Oscar jokes and stuff like that. That's fascinating to me. Um, I guess if an if I was a paying audience and I was seeing a bunch of pros and they were working out stuff for the first time and I was like disappointed, but you knew I would you still were going probably in. love it. I don't know. I think it's it's different because we're comics. You know, we love to see the craft. It's like you know, I want to see the 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 eggs being broke, the flour being mixed, all that yeah. shit, you know. I don't want to just eat the cookie, yeah. you know. But some people just want to eat the cookie. They just want the finished product. And you're like, no, but I want to see how they made it. Right. And I guess that's just me 
trying to be like, oh, this is why I'm doing the podcast, blah, blah, blah. No, no I, I – But I, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot, putting it out there from the get-go and going, here's what it is, and in a year – here's what it is right and let's see the difference but people are going to be like who gives a shit you said it a year ago (laughs) i just i worry because a lot of audiences are so quick to write off a comedian if it's the first time they've seen them and just because you know they see one lousy performance then they're come to the conclusion like oh that comedian sucks because just like what he was he was working out new shit yeah because as a comic, don't you want to see Louis C.K. suck a dick? Yeah. Don't was, you want to see want anybody? To see yeah, yeah. I want to see them work out new stuff. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I just don't know if the general public be into that. Like, oh, I saw Dave Chappelle, and he was like, he rambled for two and a half hours. Like, some of it was funny or whatever. Or, <laughs> right. Or right. Dane Cook trying to break his record, whatever, three hours. Yeah, that, that shit is, I, I mean, I'm sure it's, yeah, an hour of crowd work. Right, right. But on the other hand, it's like, like I said with Gary Shandling, it was it was that peak into, oh, this is going to be cool to see in six months where it goes. Like, when he puts out yeah. his special or whatever, I can go like, oh, yeah, I remember that joke. That was way different. Or yeah. it was a minute. Now it's a 10-minute chunk. Like Yeah, that is really cool. Like, I remember watching Sebastian work stuff out, Sebastian Maniscalco at right, the comedy yeah. store. And he was... He's like hilarious. A, that oh, guy's man. hilarious. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. I started hanging out at the comedy store, and I'd never seen someone kill a room like he did where you couldn't even hear the next setup to his joke because people were laughing so hard. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this guy is fucking amazing. And then to see like those jokes like in a special later, like I mean, it's really amazing um, to just being able to witness the... Whatever, the process. <laughs> so I'm starting to get on focus because I'm drinking beer. And I, like I said, I have a low tolerance. Uh, let's get into the first segment, and it's a first of the podcast, and I don't know how religious you are. But hopefully, oh, Jesus is not, not going to go well, <laughs> even though I started with Jesus. <laughs> but I have a hypothetical, what would you rather, but it's with Jesus, and it's called, what would Jesus do? always easy it isn't always fun when you lose direction your world can come undone when you're in need of guidance and help is overdue you might ask yourself this question what would jesus do okay the first one is should he convince Mary Magdalene she should pleasure 10 Roman soldiers simultaneously in order to save 50 orphans from being savagely killed? Or should he publicly defend 20 harlots in a class action lawsuit who are falsely accused of witchcraft, but deep down he knows four are actual witches and one is Stevie Nicks? Definitely a class section lawsuit. He, uh, should, my, rat, he should do that. My girlfriend would appreciate that because she hates Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna defend Stevie Nicks, though. Oh shit! Okay. He's gonna defend her, even God, I though I totally heard that wrong. I'm sorry. I know. So he's either defending a bunch of harlots, a couple of are really harlots, but a, f- a few are actual witches. Or you know, he's got to put Mary Madeline on the gangbang truck in order to save fifty orphans. All right, gangbang truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would do the same thing because actually. You know, putting one woman in peril to save 50 orphans 
is is a little bit better. You just wanted me to say gang <laughs> truck the whole time. <laughs> I'm gonna get that sound bite and I'm gonna have it played over and over and over. Gang bang truck, 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 gang bang truck. I'm gonna have so many different labels of the type of comedian I am. He's the guy that didn't want to save Mary Magdalene. Good. So you uh. Are you going to go back to Kill Tony? I think I want to, yeah. but I definitely got to go in with something I know, and I got to get, like, I don't want to necessarily, like, hit up a few other people beforehand and get their opinions, but at least, like, I just want to know, like, okay, this is solid. And I thought that, like, my material was solid before because it's worked. Right. It's not like I went up on stage and, like, oh, I'm going to say this bit that's tanked ten times before and then try to see if it works magically here. No, yeah, it's like yeah, it's confident. worked nine times, and now it just didn't work tonight. So, like, I just want something that's like, well, it works ten times out of ten, not nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, but do you ever get that with comedy? As I'm, is there a joke with you that no matter when I say it, somebody's laughing at this? Oh, a foolproof joke? A foolproof joke that's just no matter what crowd, no matter who's in it, if there's one person in the crowd, they're laughing. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's so funny, yeah, because sometimes those jokes can be dirty and not all audiences like dirty stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if I have one foolproof joke yet. I think that it's not – I think it's impossible. Yeah. Because I think, like, even if you had, like, 1,500 people in the audience, okay, 1,000 out of those 1,500 laugh, but that's still 500 that aren't. This is like juvenile, but the one thing that comes to mind that might translate for all audiences is I've done armpit farts into the <laughs> microphone, and I swear to God that usually you gets can a good do laugh. That <laughs> I mean, it was for a character, but still, like I think people just are amazed that I would be dumb enough to do some like schoolyard shit like that. It makes them laugh. I always felt that that was like the one thing I wish I could do. <laughs> like I, I've always tried to do it and it's just something that's like my <laughs> oh. hands not big enough. My arms not big enough. Like whatever it is. It's I, just... I thought you meant the like confidence to do, <laughs> do a bit like that. You mean the actual yeah, the process do, of making an armpit fart. Armpit farts. Hey, man, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. <laughs> I, I teach a class on this. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, like you see it on the <laughs> schoolyard one time and you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Hey, I actually, I know a guy that I grew up with. He was the master at these. I he always would... like that when you do the the gun and you do the fart at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I had a friend who was like really good at it, which is pathetic. He would like rub his hands in butter and then do it. And then <laughs> it just made him... <laughs> Ten times juicier and grosser. Of course. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you really go take it to another level. It's kind of like, kind of foreshadow with the comedian. Like, this guy really takes it serious. The armpit farts. He coats his hand in butter. And that guy became CEO of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, like, went into the Marines. I, I don't know what direction he was going he in. He is dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can understand the the butter adds a new layer of like wetness and just the just the fact that he like discovered that made it better one night where he's like how can I perfect this craft? I 
takes it seriously. <laughs> he definitely takes it seriously. Uh, or what if it was like a happy accident where he like just landed in butter and then <laughs> just went like, hey, man, do that fart thing you do God, so I, well. <laughs> it's like, God, I just overly buttered that toast. <laughs> I'm going to do an armpit fart right now. Holy shit. What do you know? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, how does that discovery happen? Yeah. <laughs> What would Jesus do? Should Jesus feed 400 starving vegans with one fish stick and no ketchup? Or should Jesus cast the first stone and kill Donald Trump? Ooh. Ah, but murder's wrong. Murder is wrong, but feeding 400 vegans with a fish stick, I don't know if they'd be into that. Well... I don't know. One murder is not a big deal, right? <laughs> Especially if it's with, Donald Trump. Go with Donald Trump. <laughs> are you a big? We'll, we'll uh, sweep that guy under the rug. Under, are you a Trump supporter? Um, I support his his existence. <laughs> <laughs> I support the fact that he has to breathe our oxygen. <laughs> On occasion. No, no, I'm not a Trump supporter. Yeah, I don't think many are. Uh, I, I don't mean, think anyone would miss him. Mm-mm. But it is so interesting how this election is is uh, uh, the one, like, quagmire. It's like a straight-up, like, fuck fest where yeah. I could care less and I am so over it. And that, But I'm also, like, so worried what the next four years are going to be like. Right, right. <laughs> Either way. Like, no matter who wins, it's like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I can't really go there with my political views. <laughs> You're a Gary Johnson fan, I know. No, I'm actually for Stevie Nicks. So I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Stevie Nicks, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> All It'll right, let's... A landslide bring you down. Do you do any impressions or do you have any like voices? You said you've done characters. Yeah. But I mean, do you know different things? I mean, you have a pretty cool voice. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I do. I uh, I got into audiobooks because of this voice. But And that's one thing I wish I could get into is definitely yeah. like the voiceover like work because that, that seems like it would be a really cool gig to get into. Yeah, I wish I did actual voiceover work. That would be sweet. Uh, audiobooks are really tedious but it's kind of fun because you can audition for any books but as far as impressions i when i was 19 i moved to la it was 1999 and i almost started stand-up comedy when i was 19 nice and i wish i did me too I, it would have been amazing to go to the comedy store when like back then mm -hmm. but i chickened out because i bombed <laughs> but my set <laughs> Um, I performed for some coworkers. I did an impression of Barney the dinosaur. Yes, in a topical in like a cop movie with Robert De Niro, <laughs> like a buddy cop movie, and it totally bombed. Wait, could you do the bit? Like, do you know any of it? Like, at least do the Barney voice. Yeah, he just went like, <laughs> "I love you. You know, I love me even more." Uh, and then you know, De Niro said something catty. I don't remember. But uh, it was awful. You talking to me, Bunny? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. My impression sucked of De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from their reaction, I never, I never, uh, I mean, I, I didn't pursue stand-up comedy and I wish I had, but yeah, it took years and years later and just three years ago. So uh, what was that? 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But 
Anyway, yeah, impressions I'm not good at. Yeah, I find myself like it's so hard to do an impression, but it's really easy to do a voice, you know, to just make up a voice like, yeah, this isn't anybody's famous or, uh, a, you know, but it's like, does anybody make this voice? Nope. Right. But how do you make that now funny? And it's almost like if you're going to tell a story about a, you know, your uncle, then you pull out the voice of like, yeah, and he sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe he didn't. It's just I can do this voice and it needs to sound different than my own self because that makes it funnier. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's five or six voices I've been using my whole life, but I think it takes real talent to have like a whole catalog of voices you could actually remember. I wish uh, I had like a genuine, like good girl voice. Oh yeah, that's where I could like tell like a story of like, and then she said this like, eh. but every time when I do a girl <laughs> voice, it's like it, it's just some stupid like Kardashian, right? Or it's like just something like, oh, that's not what girls sound like. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, that's how women get so pissed off at like male comedians. They're like, <laughs> you know, it always sounds like that. And that's guys like, are always like gruff oh, assholes. I didn't know you did a voice of my girlfriend. Hey. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know her. I'm sure she's nice. Um, it's like spot on. That's the biggest complaint, though, for audiobook listeners. They're always like, oh, I wish they would not try to do a female voice. Like, just make it subtle. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. What would Jesus do? Should Jesus bring Michael Jackson back to life so he can make 25 more hits better than his last, but no that he will constantly have two children in his sex slavery? Or should Jesus stop Mark David Chapman from killing John Lennon, allowing him to make four more records with Yoko Ono, two with Kanye, and one with Corey Feldman? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring Corey Feldman into it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, 25 more Michael Jackson hits or a lot more of shitty John Lennon songs. <laughs> yeah, the collaborations with Yoko I'm not crazy about. But no. wait, you said the, the what was the last part of the Michael Jackson thing, though? It took a dark turn, right? That he has two boys in sex slavery at all times. Oh, man, see, I can't support that because then everyone will really think I am into the pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with some horrible... <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm sure somebody's going to like the John Lennon Kanye album. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Okay. So, I mean, even though like Corey Feldman might be in the mix and he might bring his angels into the studio to be like, hey, they're just going to sing back up. I just, I just watched the Corey Feldman music videos. <laughs> pretty amazing. Do you think that he's like in on the joke or that he's actually trying no, to be serious? I think he's... I think he's genuine because he's done albums in the past and he's like he's always been doing the Michael Jackson moves in movies and stuff. Yes. I think he, I think it's just one of those things. He doesn't have somebody in his corner going, "Dude, bro." Right. No. Yeah, it's a bunch of yes men around him and uh he's probably like the nicest dude too, so it's kind of Oh, of course. Like bummer. I would totally want to hang out with Corey Feldman. Yeah. yeah, it's a bummer he doesn't know like how he's coming off. It's like nobody's saying no, and there's too many chicks, chicks that are like, yeah, I'll suck your dick if you want to put me in the next album. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with that said, I honestly had one of his songs stuck <laughs> in my head yesterday 
because it's so obnoxious and repetitive. What, what song? He, that Ascension song. Awesome. Oh, what? And, Sean Astin shows Yeah, he's got up? a cameo in his music video. Is it like a Goonies ripoff? Or like... It is. It's a Goonies reference. You awesome. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's like one shot. It's just shooting around the Feld Mansion, as he calls it. <laughs> and, and the music video is sponsored by an energy drink. If uh, he rebooted every single film that he's already been in, I would still watch it. Like him, yeah. if him, he was just an older version of him. Yeah. In the Goonies or just in whatever. Yeah, it's weird that he, he that he just did a bunch of like shit projects after a while. Because, I mean, mm. he was a good kid actor. Yeah. It's weird that he wasn't more in demand. I wonder if he was... He wasn't little... bad. Like, yeah. he, like Gremlins, uh, Goonies, uh, Lost Boys, he was all decent. Yeah, I wonder if he just established some kind of just a bad reputation or with Corey Haim, if they were just doing too many drugs and just being unreliable. What was that one or... movie that they were in, licensed to... Oh, License to Drive? I actually like that movie. I love that movie. It's fun. (laughs) I was listening to an audiobook, and what's so funny is that, like, if you tell people that you've listened to an audiobook, it doesn't make them think you're any smarter. Yeah. Like, if you said, I read a book, they're like, oh, that guy's smart. You said you listened to an audiobook, they're like, yeah, big whoop, fucker. Like, who cares? Right, right. Who cares? Like, yeah, anybody can listen. You're like, but. It's better because I've paid somebody to read a book to me. Yeah. It's not that I'm just like reading the book. That's the poor man's way. I have chosen the rich man's way and had somebody read it to me. Right. Well, you think it's because with audiobooks, there's probably a lot of multitasking going on. So they're like, oh, this guy's not taking it serious and sitting down with his book. He's like taking a shit. He's like mowing the lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's working on TPS reports, all that shit. (laughs) So maybe he's half listening. I don't know. I don't know. But with me, I'm an audio... I'm an auditory type of learner. Like, I I always, like, listen to podcasts, documentaries. Like, I'll listen to movies... Just the movie. I'll, I'll, there's a website called listentoamovie.com, yeah. and it's just the audio file of a movie. Wow. And Jeez. I'll listen, like at work, I'll just put it on because, like, oh, I've seen Shawshank a million times. I'll just listen to it. That's like, so funny. Just because it's like, it's better to have that in the background than, yeah, Leonard Skinner for the fourth millionth time. Like, I'd rather listen to a movie I've heard 200 times. Instead. That's cool. This, uh, yeah, that's a really uh, interesting, like comfort food kind of thing. I've I never even consider people actually just listen to audio of a movie. I'm like, but that's the thing. I'm an audiophile. Like yeah. I, I live for. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I do a lot of like, yeah, post production afterwards. It's like I like listening to stuff, and I also like the like old time radio, all that stuff. Like it's it's like the the movie just for your ears like but that's like a gone art like yeah. nobody cares everybody wants the visual yeah that's true well i'll tell you what daryl <laughs> at the end of this episode since you're such a audiophile i will do an armpit fart into the microphone <laughs> <laughs> to close out the show <laughs> would you would you well i know you were just secretly hoping i'd bring it up again <laughs> Yeah. I'm just kidding. We don't have to do that. <laughs> Unless you want to. 
What would Jesus do? Should Jesus go on a worldwide competitive eating tour decimating every record of food gorging, ultimately ending competitive eating, causing a ripple effect to end childhood obesity. Whoa. Or should he go on a Johnny Appleseed-style journey spreading the world with marijuana, covering not only the entire fish catalog, but the entire world with weed? Wait, what do you mean by covering the entire fish catalog? You know, he spreads the catalog around the world as well as spreading weed. So he's he's making people aware of fish albums? As well as marijuana. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean. Or he's going on a worldwide obesity scourge. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I mean, the weed thing sounds pretty positive. I'm not a fan of fish, but uh, <laughs> I do have friends that worship them, so whatever. You know, I'm not a fish fan, but I am a weed fan. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, I didn't catch the fish truck. I didn't, I didn't get in on that. Did you like Grateful Dead at all? Or? I do. Yeah. I will say I, I, I do like a, a, a Grateful Dead jam here yeah. and there. Yeah. You know, they do have some live stuff that you're like, all right. So yeah. the same, this music isn't offensive. Right. Like, it's not going to be like, wow, this is amazing. But it's not like, hey, turn that shit off. Like, this is bugging me. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I just don't feel fish is even nearly of that caliber for some mm. reason. I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't like their sound. Yeah. I, I don't. I think I just it wasn't I think it was an East Coast thing for me like I just didn't like grab on to like the the weed culture's music that right. Fish was bringing but it was a lot of like you know 311 and Sublime and other stuff that's like mm, it's definitely weed related but not just a different vibe right. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> It's weird like the times nobody has told me anything I do all right, but when as as soon as somebody gives me an av- some advice or something like, "Hey, don't do A, B, and C," now it yeah. fucks with me. Yeah, that is the worst. That's usually the bad omen. And worst that I ever had, a guy told me, "Yeah, comedy never works here." And then <laughs> two seconds later, I was up and uh, had the worst set of my life in front of close friends and my brother that had never seen me do stand up, and that was. God awful, but yeah, yeah. there's uh, when people plant that shit in your head, and they tell you you can you can do this kind of material, that kind of material. You got to keep it clean. Uh, it's like it's it's up to so much interpretation. It fucks mm-hmm. with you. You're like, wait, does this qualify? Does this? Can I do this joke? Uh, there's no dicks yeah. in it, but I say fuck. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. yeah, it just messes with you. Yeah, and I've had that same thing. Like one guy told me early on, hey, don't make fun of women. Yeah. I had no jokes about women, yeah. but as soon as I went on, I was like, "Hey, what's up with you bitches?" Not liking jokes. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> like I automatically was like, "What's up with not telling jo- women jokes?" Like so he so he he pushed a trigger in you that automatically made you think say the thing that you're not supposed to. Yeah, by telling you that. But that's the thing. It was like his rule. It wasn't the room's rule. It yeah. wasn't like all these women were like, hey, don't make fun of us. Yeah. It was like he did some joke probably about women and it failed. And now he's like trying to tell everybody like, hey, don't do women jokes. And you're like, oh. okay. And now I'm – but I'm thinking like, what's with up all these women not being able to hang? Like, right, right. And then I automatically alienate women right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
I'm sure it's a comedian thing too. Like whenever someone tells me not to go a certain mm-hmm. area, you, you, there's that <laughs> mischievous spirit in me that's like, I'm gonna fucking open with that. I'm gonna, <laughs> oh I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah, right out of the gate, I'm gonna do some race jokes because someone told me not. It does piss me off when you know someone has their little checklist of things you can't say. What would Jesus do? Would Jesus create a bluegrass duo with Marilyn Manson touring only in Amish country? Or would he create a Calypso duo with Charles Manson and only tour in Dubai? Whoa, that's crazy. I'm actually reading Helter Skelter right now. Yeah, so. I'm fascinated with serial killers too. I'm, I'm a big uh, last podcast on the left fan. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, I, I've seen Marilyn Manson... You know, I don't, I don't know if I'd be that interested in their beautiful people <laughs> take. I think I'd rather see the a bluegrass Calypso. version of beautiful people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Charlie Manson, Calypso. That sounds kind of fun to me. Have you heard any Charlie Manson's actual music? Uh, I think a little bit. He actually has some some like folk music that's not that bad. Like it's. Like, yeah, you hear it, and if somebody said, this is Charles Manson, you'd be like, yeah, this is horrible. You'd be like, oh, okay. They're going to say, he's got a couple pop hips, pop hits in him. <laughs> you, I, I, I think it's one of those, like, once you figure it out, you're like, ugh. Yeah. But before you figure it out, you're like, this ain't bad. Right. This ain't that bad. Right. Your home is where you're happy. It's not where you're not free. Your home is where you can be what you are Cause you were just born to be You can have a castle And diamonds for all to see But you'll never have that peace of mind Until you've learned to be free So burn all your bridges Leave the old life behind you can do what you wanna do Cause you're strong in your mind This could be on uh, KLOS S or, or The Sound or something. <laughs> I feel like the quality was always kind of crap. Did he, did he ever get yes. in the studio or was it just like a... It was a lot of home recordings okay. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I will admit, yeah, I, I listened to a few things and it's it's a lot like... What's that like minimalist Daniel... Daniel Johnson? Yes. It sounds a lot like him. Yeah. No, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Phil Spector. You should have should have got Charlie Manson in the studio, man. <laughs> he needed the wall of sound. That's yeah. what he needed. <laughs> the crystals to back him up. Good. <laughs> I had an impression early on where it was a Michael McDonald, and uh, right off the bat, people were like, who? Yeah, like, I was about <laughs> to say. He's the guy that was the uh, – he was a singer-songwriter. He was in the Doobie Brothers. Okay. <laughs> I'll do the voice. Please. I, it was Michael McDonald with Alzheimer's, and he and it went like – I keep forget what is the name of my dog. I keep forget what is his name, Wolfie Ho. 
Mr. Scraps. It was just that guy. Like, I keep forget. That's the voice. And, yeah. like, a lot of people, like, even if they knew who it was, they're like, eh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> And most of the time, that's the thing. It's like the people that didn't know, they would laugh more than the people that did know. Oh, really? <laughs> Props to you for like doing a voice that, I mean, that's not common, though. Because yeah. everyone goes to the Sean Connerys or the Arnolds and, you know. And I had, my other voice was uh, Marvin the Martian. Oh, I used to do that, too. And I, I had a joke where it was like, that's the thing. Like, I could do the voice... But there was nothing around it. Yeah, like, yeah. You didn't build something. It was like, okay, you can do the voice, big whoop. Like, what's yeah, funny yeah. about it? They get over that and they're like, well, what else? Yeah, mm-hmm. Do you have an idea behind that voice or right. it's just you doing the voice? Like, I, I first did the Marvin the Martian and it was like, uh, oh, this is Marvin the Martian getting uh, declined from a bank loan. Mm, that's most upsetting. I thought my Deludium 4 3 Cruise space modulator was enough for the down payment. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's like, it's it went over well, but certain people would just be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. And, like, I tried to, the what actually worked was when I moved it into the alien domestication bit, where it was like, as soon as I started talking for the alien, I was like, oh, and of course he sounds like Marvin the Martian. And then it, it got a laugh yeah. through that bit. But when I would do the bank bit, it's like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so you can do the voice. Big whoop. I wish I could do, I wish I was that guy. Like, I almost wish I like could be that Frank Caliendo or yeah. that type of guy that just busted out a bunch of like, oh, he just really does a good John Madden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or hell, I mean, since you were talking about voiceovers and Looney Tunes, Mel Blanc. Yeah. He's uh, amazing. And so many of his voices were just a hair off from one another. That's true, yeah. Very, yeah, because after a while you you hear like his catalog of voices and you're like, oh, that sounds very much like, like that Sylvester other voice. Sylvester and Daffy are a hair from, a, they're both speech impediments. Right. Just one's a little bit more or one's just a little bit smarmier or yeah, something. Yeah. like. And yeah, Foghorn Leghorn and so Yosemite Sam, they're almost the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys, so amazing though. Did you ever uh go to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery? Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Mel Blanks there. And uh he's he's great. I mean, when it comes to voiceovers, you're like, well, duh. Yeah. That guy is, yeah, yeah. is amazing cuz he did like the whole catalog. He did Oh, you need this? I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you were saying, yeah, those old-time radio shows, too. Mm-hmm, He's doing all those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. He was in Strange Brew. Remember that movie? Was With, he in that? Yeah. yeah I've only seen it once. He's their dad. Oh, nice. <laughs> and he's just in it for, like, a little bit of the movie. But, like, you can oh, hear so cool. that it's straight up like Yosemite Sam. where you're Like, he's just Yosemite Sam as a dad. Save one of those beers for me, eh? That's so cool. I didn't know he made an appearance like in that. I think that was mm-hmm. early eighties, mm-hmm. right? That's so cool. Yeah, and he's he's a Canadian, like so he's he's been in the in the game. Yeah, but it's so funny. I'm since I'm an audiophile too. It's like you hear those one like you hear that one line. You're like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, you hear that like that that one Simpsons phrase, and you're like, I can hear that for the rest of my life. Like you just pick it out. 
out of a commercial or out of whatever, and you're like, oh, that's Mel Blanc. Yeah, yeah. That's like when um, I remember when Aladdin became a cartoon series, and everyone was like, hey, wait a second, the genie sounds like Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ha- have you ever hosted a mic? Yeah, I uh, I hosted the Tribal Cafe. Um, it was a Saturdays at three or four in the afternoon. Nice. I would, I would hang out there for like two or three hours. Um, sometimes I was just talking to myself. Um, crazy people would wander in. I almost had a fight that broke out between a, com- uh, a couple comedians. Damn. Uh, this one guy, craziest dude, uh, came in with a this dude that kept coming in. He wore a cowboy hat. And um, he was doing his set. He seemed really friendly, old guy. And he opens up his vest, and he's got he's strapped with dynamite. <laughs> and real dynamite? No. Um, my <laughs> girlfriend was there. She can vouch for me. Um, it, it was probably like candles or something, like some kind of prop, right. to look like dynamite. Right. But as it a said TNT on it. <laughs> but as a paranoid comedian, that might believe anything is possible in a in a post 9-11 environment yeah. yes yeah and so he first he does that <laughs> and then he takes out he unsheathes he was white no it was a black dude oh okay, black even dude. better <laughs> um yeah i don't know if he might have been a dude that just like hangs out at echo park he just seemed like kind of a crazy dude and he unsheaths a samurai sword whoa and he starts waving it around the room I, I hate relating. I hate telling you the story because it sounds completely fake. Yeah, there um, are certain stories that are that. Yeah, but that happened. This was right after a fight almost broke out. Like, um, I banned a comedian from coming back, or I, I kicked out a comedian because the fight looked like it was going to break out. Ten minutes later, the dude with the samurai sword and the dynamite comes in, <laughs> and he's waving the sword around, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, did I get the light?" And he's like smiling at me, and I'm like, "Dude, just I'm not going to light you. You just." Do whatever you want. And I he got finished his set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he finished his set. He left. And then I like I just warned the owners, like, hey, if this guy ever comes in again, just know that he has a sword on him. And so was the, like, dynamite part of the bit or, like? No. Oh, I think that was the bit because he was talk. He was joking about going postal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, As naturally people would do. <laughs> Has a lot of it's comedians. A timely reference. <laughs> yeah, comedians usually talk about just killing themselves, not a bunch of other innocent people with them. But uh, yeah, that was uh, right after that guy left. I was like, okay, you know that that was a good day. I think I'm going to end this mic early. <laughs> but Tribal Cafe, man, that was. Uh, so you unfortunately don't do that anymore. Not anymore, but uh, there's there's constantly open mics at that place. And uh, yeah. Before we get any further, okay, it's becoming a favorite bit of mine, just because I love doing it so much, and I think it's a good exercise with improv, and it's making up a movie, and I think that most of the people. Nowadays, especially in Hollywood, they make up a movie and then they just figure out how the, the logistics later. And uh, I'm giving us a, a couple of parameters. I have a genre category and a lead category. So we're going to use randomness as our guide. And I will ask you for two numbers, one through ten. And those will be the numbers that we will use for our made-up movie randomness. Okay, I'm going to go with two and five. 
Okay, two is the made-up movie genre, which is a confusing sci-fi. Okay. And five is with the lead, James Franco. Oh, okay. So we're going to try to make up a made-up movie with James Franco as the lead in a confusing sci-fi movie. Now, this sounds like he's about to do one of these anyway. (laughs) This is perfect. This is exactly the trajectory of his career. He's going to. This is in his wheelhouse for sure. Okay. Now, I will say in our last made up movie, we did not give out the title. So in this movie, we definitely need to give a title, but we can come up with that later. But in the meantime, let's come up with the next confusing sci fi movie starring James Franco. Okay, so. Is it in the future or in the far future? Like, near future or far future? And how much serious are we going to get? Is this going to be like a lighthearted sci-fi, confusing sci-fi I feel like it's got to be dead serious with him. Dead serious. I guess that's not true. He does the comedies too. He does. Hmm. Let's go... I kind of want to go like really pretentious though, like real, mm, like oh, Oscar like something winning, he, something that he was that he might have directed as well. Okay, a, a double bill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's think of him being a a cog in a machine. He's working at a job that he hates. He's a yeah. a person. That is like okay, working for like you know a Microsoft or a uh, Apple computers, okay. and he hates his job. But he's thinking to himself, "How do I get to the next level? How do I like move to the echelon of a uh, corporate world?" Okay. Um, see, when you when you started talking about that, I started picturing like a, a boss that. Maybe he has like a some there's some kind of surveillance thing that's his boss or like a robot like a 1984. Yeah, like it's got to be a, a pretty well known actor that's voicing the. Oh, so he's just the like robot entity that's like the AI that's watching him all the time. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Well, I guess I was thinking of more along the lines of Moon because I was thinking of like Kevin Spacey. Oh, okay. Hello, Sam. Sam, is everything okay? okay. So there's some kind of robot or entity that's like keeping tabs on his work mm-hmm. that's like hey you're not typing fast enough right right so to just hey. kind of increase his misery <laughs> okay so what's his name like uh, Chet the uh, James Franco's character yes yes <laughs> alright we'll go with Chet <laughs> Chet Spaceman Chet some, some pun about being in space last name <laughs> yeah Chet Quark or like Chet uh, Star ga- or Galaxy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Chet Nebula. Chet Nebula. Yeah, I like that. I like Chet Nebula. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so Chet Nebula hates his job, is working at the uh, cardboard distillery. Okay. <laughs> they distill cardboard in some space station. Or yes, like a- and they're using cardboard as a uh, you know power source, uh, you know, a fossil fuel. Okay. And uh, he's in charge of. So really mundane is what we're yes, going for. Okay. Yes. You know, it's one of those like corporations that you don't know why they exist, but if they didn't exist, the world would collapse. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, so he's in charge of, uh, you know, decortifying the uh, cardboard. <laughs> right. And he hates his job. I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. And I want to help you. And then this, uh, oh, this ingenuity, this uh, new girl yeah. shows up. Oh. And uh, she's totally like, you know, anti-establishment. Uh, She's coming in with a lot of new ideas, okay. saying, uh, hey, we don't need this cardboard anymore. You know, have you ever thought about just, like, taking trees straight from the source and, uh, you know, not making cardboard out of them first and just making the trees into our cogs? And then people are like, whoa, 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 slow your roll, bitch. This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. This is a cardboard factory. We make cardboard then we have the cardboard go through the decortifier and that makes our fuel so i was thinking this move <laughs> is this a, is this the wrong way no i kind of like i like the idea that chet nebula is like kind of set in his ways already yes and uh he he's like <laughs> hey i'm just waiting to die we got 40 more years let's do this it sounds like the sequel to bartleby Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yes. So, yes. So she proposes all this <laughs> yes. to him, and he's like, I prefer not to. <laughs> and the movie just goes on like that for two hours. <laughs> it's like, Chet, no, I got these really exciting ideas that'll, you know, to make the movie really exciting. I'd prefer no. <laughs> and to me, that's almost like an actor saying, fuck you, to an audience. You're just like, no, nothing entertaining is going to happen here. This is about me. I yeah. prefer this not to. This is a to. think piece. Yeah. This is a, uh, you know, we're trying for Oscars. We're not trying for, you know, people to be uh, uplifted or to be sitting on the edge of their seats. No, we want them to be almost sleeping and then thinking to themselves, was that a good movie? Yeah. I think it was. I think if you think hard enough. Yeah. There's probably something oh, really entertaining. You didn't there. like that? You just didn't get it. It's like, Chet, we could go. You could, you've never left the space station, And now, Chet. who is playing the oh. the, the damsel? Now, it's, well, it's got to be somebody Scarlet that's... Scarlet or someone like that. Yes. But, um, it doesn't have to be. It could be a newcomer. Yeah. Somebody new on the scene that... As a fresh face, you're like, oh, is she in like, was she a Disney like character earlier, mm. or was she on like a Nickelodeon show? I don't know, maybe, <laughs> but we don't actually know who it is. Uh, <laughs> it's never I know. <laughs> I can't say I know anyone it's like just... that by name. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's it gonna be? You it's fill a, in the blank, audience. Is it like an Amanda Bynes or like a, a Miley Cyrus? I don't oh, know. Maybe. Yeah. We're dating ourselves, it's, I guess. It's Miley Cyrus's first sci-fi vehicle. Okay. And she's playing opposite James Franco, and she's playing against type. She's not blonde. She's actually shaved her head, and she's played... She's actually a, an android. What? I thought she was a chick from the beginning. I like the I kind of like that you chose Miley Cyrus because I feel like that is something she might actually try and do. Hell yeah, she would. I feel like 
I feel and, like I could easily judge her as a, one type of person, but then she would do a role like that that would blow me away. Like, holy shit, I didn't know she had that in her. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And, it, and of course, she would jump at the chance of working with James Franco. Yeah. She would be like, oh, we're going to like do some notes at the Chateau Marmont. We're going to hang out. We're going to probably get in a little bit of a love connection here and there. And then just after the movie like premieres, we're going to break up. And then it just will be that one thing. And I feel like, yeah, like this could be her breakout role. Okay. Like playing a woman that's secretly an android that gets, you know, proven to be an android at the last, you know, third act. So do you think Chad ever turns around, starts to have feelings for her? Of course he has. Yeah. But he's conflicted because he's like, oh, should I love an android? Or is it like who gives a shit like this is the future i can love whoever i want like like feeling weird about it because it's almost like, a, like it's forbidden love yeah like a sex toy kind of thing yes like a, this isn't right yes. okay but she has her own ai so it's not like he's like you know forcing her to have sex he's asking her and she's saying yes let's do this all around a cardboard factory <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to forget that exciting detail. <laughs> An intergalactic cardboard factory. <laughs> oh man, I feel like I, I, I feel like I let you down with the, the setup here. It's like I don't know if I can watch this movie. Uh, <laughs> this is a straight to DVD. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does a lot of movies like that under the radar <laughs> movies that uh, he directs or produces. Now, side note, yeah, is there any? James Franco uh, vehicle that you're into. I it's funny. I I feel like I'm ripping into him a bunch, but I actually think he's a decent actor. Um, but and it's and I've liked I've liked the comedy stuff he's done. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know any movies that stick out that I like really worship. I still haven't seen. Uh, was it Twenty Eight Days Later? I never. It's never, a decent film. It's a good one. Yeah, I yeah. Would, I would watch that. I've always been curious about that one. I've seen the James Dean one. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, that was the beginning of his career, I guess. Spring Breakers. That's oh, it. that's right. Spring <laughs> Breakers. I have more of a problem with that director than James. I thought James Franco was really amusing in it. Yep. He so. played a good character. Yeah. I, I, I could picture him as a yeah a shady drug dealer, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else, not so much. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I thought he was hilarious in Pineapple Express. Of course. But, uh, it's, so, it's so maddening when you see somebody work that well, Yeah, and then he says, oh, yeah, I don't smoke weed. And you're like, you played a stoner so well. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That is, that is the, funny. That is like the the antithesis of, oh, you're a good actor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's one thing to be like, oh, you're a football player, and now you're going to be playing a football player or you're playing yourself. Yeah. Okay, I get it. But when you're totally going against type like, "Oh, you're actually not that at all and you made it so convincing." Yeah, he totally did. Kudos it. to you. Yeah. yeah. So, if you hear us James Franco, we we respect you as an actor. Yes, and I will say uh make that next movie. Uh, and what is it called? What is oh. this uh sci-fi love story based around a cardboard factory called? Uh Sealed with a kiss or something that's like kind of punny. I'm trying to work the space angle in. Mm. Uh, let's see. Outer spaced. Chet Nebula. There. 
Chet Nebula. Like, Man, I wish I was named Chet Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> no, comedians would hate you every time you were introduced to People the stage. People would be like, is that your real name, you douche? Uh, it sounds like a new name, Chet Nebula. <laughs> Kill Tony. Um, let's see. I don't think a lot of people are being named Chet. Just Chet anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's always like a, an asshole character in an 80s movie, a boy. Yeah. Let's see. I am naming my first kid Chet. Sorry, um, I'm still thinking about the title. Yeah, I'm, I Let's know. See. It's it's a conundrum. Something there. Sometimes the title like just pops, and other times it's like, no, it's a real big you know, conundrum. Like, what do we call this movie? Like, like missed opportunities or like, oh, star-crossed lovers or something. The cardboard way. (laughs) I like that it sounds like an inspiring, uh, (laughs) I don't know, like Nick Nolte's The Coach kind of movie. (laughs) The cardboard way. (laughs) Maybe it, God maybe, damn it. Maybe it rolls off better if you say like James Franco. In. Oh yeah, James Franco presents a Jam- James Franco picture starring James Franco and James Franco in space time. <laughs> space time? <laughs> uh cardboard not included. <laughs> yeah. Spa- oh yeah, maybe uh assembly required. So, oh, oh, that's pretty go. good. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're really reaching where we're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Just actually a pretty good name for a fake movie that no, we're I never like making. Assembly Required is a good, uh, a good title <laughs> in general. Yeah, because that's the cardboard. That's their factory yeah. that they make boxes for, uh, you know, holding uh, Ikea furniture or something. <laughs> yeah. AI not included. Mm, no, I do love not included. Because I like assembly required, like maybe, you know, his life is incomplete until mm. she comes into the picture. Mm, yeah, but, I like that. But I think I think assembly required is a winner. All right. Assembly required starring James Franco and Miley Cyrus. And we got to have a like a cameo by Cheech Marin or something. <laughs> Someone to kind of lighten it up. Oh wait, the voice, the voice, the voice of the the, the droid that's looking after him or whatever, or his boss. Hey, James Franco, I love you. <laughs> I mean, hey, James Franco, why did you make those boxes too fast? Flawless, <laughs> James. I really, uh, I really appreciate your attempt. I'm funny. just a love machine. <laughs> And I don't work no more body my free. I don't know. <laughs> Who did I just... Oh, yeah. I have a... It's random. I have a friend who's doing a documentary about Cheech Marin and... Really? And Tommy Chong, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So it's a Cheech and Chong doc. A te- Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Not just a Cheech Marin doc. Cheech and Chong joint. Yeah, that's a good Ah, idea. there you go. Spike Lee joint, Cheech and Chong joint. Yeah, that, that that's makes sense. That's a production sense. company right there. Yeah. Man, that sounds like another blockbuster in the books. <laughs> it started off serious, and then I had to get my comedy shit in there. Sorry. <laughs> I like that it was sort of a Bartleby kind of movie, and then it got to goofy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I feel like there's a lot of moments for some really good uh, acting as well as some, like, you know, comedic, like, you know, just lightening it up. You know, there's it's it's ebbs and flows. Yeah, it probably starts off like a, a Joe versus the volcano, that yes. kind of like mundane yes. workplace, and then afterwards you're like, oh, that actually like touched me. Yeah, that actually like made me think a little bit about like my own self, yeah. as well as like who am I? Yeah, there's more to life than cardboard, cardboard assembly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a whole, whole world out there. <laughs> There's more to life than androids and cardboard. Uh, you do a, a, a Instagram feed of a, a open mic review show, right? Hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah plug, totally plug, about plug. That. Yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, you can follow me at open mic reviews. Uh, my name is Marty Wurst, W-U-R-S-T. I was going to say, if you guys are in the SoCal area, definitely check it out. There is a lot of good information on that uh, Instagram. I love the reviews. I mean, it's it's really cool how... I don't know how you find the mics. I mean, I didn't know there was that many mics around here. Yeah, uh, I guess that's the only thing. It's hard to keep updating which mics are still going on unless I, I hear from someone. Mm-hmm. But I try to keep it updated. I, like, I have a bunch of like reviews for extinct mics, like <laughs> like the Comedy Store patio and stuff like that. Right, right, uh, right. But, but I, I keep... I don't want I don't want them to go anywhere because it's kind of fun to look back and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah basically I just I take a picture of the open mic as it go as it's going on so comedians yeah, have an idea <laughs> yeah comedians have a good idea of what they're getting into and you know because sometimes people don't want to drive and unless they know that it's a good mic so I try to go out of my way to check out open mics because it's kind of fun it keeps it fresh and where do you find like the mics like how do you find out like oh this is happening. Um, well, yeah, first stop, you got to give props to Drake, Jake Kroger of the Comedy Bureau. I always check those listings. Um, that's the, the first place you should always go. Then there's, um, excuse me, there's, um, uh, openmics.org, which I like because you could search by zip code and there's a, like, there's a lot of under the radar mics you don't usually hear about that pop up there. So I try to check them once or uh, once every couple of weeks, there's usually something random. Um, it is crazy how many mics there are in like the SoCal area. Like, like how much? How many mics do you think would be on a given Tuesday? Oh, geez, like yeah, in Tuesday's the SoCal area, busy. or just every day? Like, there's at least ten mics going on every day. Yeah. Um, Tuesday, there's. I would guess that there's probably a good. 20 to 30 mics going on. Yeah. Um, and that's like between like Ventura and San Diego. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just everywhere. Yeah. It's insane. And you, and sometimes people don't, uh, only post it on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, yeah, if you just join one of those forums, like the LA comedy scene or LA open mics or something like that, uh, there's some random mics that people just start and, um, you won't see it posted anywhere else. So it's good to get on those sites. I mean, uh, get on those uh, group group pages. Yeah, it'd be cool to like almost start a mic on one hand, but on the other hand, it is like just anything else. It's like a commitment. Now you are doing this every week. Yeah, that's the problem because it's comedians love when you know a mic sticks around for a long time, but it's a lot to ask from that host, and that's why you see hosts rotating all the time because it's just it's so hard to keep that shit up. It almost seems like the new idea is to create a show 
You know, it's not just an open mic. It's like, you know, like roast battle. Like, how do we incorporate an open mic with something that's going to entice people to come back every week? Right. And, you know, it's no longer just like, hey, we're going to just have comics, like, you know, show up and do five minutes. No, it's like we're going to have them do this and perform and we're going to have different guests every week. And and suddenly it evolves into something that's way more than just unknowns doing comedy. (laughs) Have you ever given up on stage? Have you ever just went? (laughs) I, I think I have. You know what? I had two more minutes, but I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I went to one of the worst open mics recently where I was like, it was, it was the first time where I would have gladly just walked out after a minute, even though I had like 10 <laughs> minutes. It was just that bad. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure I've ended early, but it's usually because I just run out of uh, material at the top of my head. And I hate being the guy who's like, oh, I'm going to use up my last minute. And then I'm just trying to remember any joke. I'd rather just leave. Do you bring your notebook up on stage? Do you do a lot of like looking at the notes while you're on set? Or do you try <laughs> to like go in with a game plan of I'm going to say A, B, and C and then leave? I usually have a piece of a scrap of paper that I'll put on a stool. But someone caught me <laughs> like a month ago where I was actually looking down at the stool and there was nothing there. Like I, I was still looking down at a set list that I didn't even have on the stool because I it was became such a habit right, for me. Right. So they thought I was fucking crazy. It's like this guy is seeing set lists everywhere. <laughs> but uh, it's just a bad habit of mine. Now I'm aware of it. I'm glad she pointed it out. Uh, I always felt like at one point. Like when I first went on, I was like, "Oh, what a bunch of hacks! They they can't even remember their stuff. They gotta yeah. look at their notes." And then I like you know do it for four months, and then I'm like, "Man, I need some notes up here." <laughs> yeah, oh, I was the same way. I uh, I went to Rock Paper Coffee, which is also extinct, and uh, Jamar Neighbors would do his sets all the time. And I didn't know he'd been doing comedy for probably like five or six years already. Right, right. Um, and he's just constantly looking at his cell phone for his jokes. And I was like, what the fuck is with this guy? <laughs> like, I totally thought he was like some jerk off. And um, even though his jokes are really funny. Um, but now I know like, oh, this is like, you know, it's just something you figure out later on. Or, or in the first few weeks of comedy, you're like, oh, people bring up their notes all the time. It's different for a show where... That looks kind of bad. Right, right. And, and depending on the show, too. I mean, there's some shows you can get away with it, but um, I think for the most part, especially if you're in a club, that's kind of a bad idea. Yeah, I remember on, on the roast battle on uh, Comedy Central, everybody was given uh, Jimmy uh, Carr shit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was he had reading his notebook off the stuff. Or his uh, clipboard or whatever. And yeah. It's like, what? Like, he did well. <laughs> yeah. I guess, okay, he had a clipboard, but in the end, big deal. Yeah, it's funny. When I watched it, I didn't really have that much of a reaction to the clipboard until they pointed it out. Mm. So I, I think I was probably more influenced with the backlash afterwards, where I was like, yeah, that is kind of stupid, bringing your <laughs> clipboard on TV. But when I, when I first watched him do it, it, it didn't really affect me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. And I almost think that it's like you're not like – at least myself, when I do a lot of notes, especially like stuff that I'm going to like, cause I'll make notes of sets that I'm going to like perform. Like, okay, 
in this set coming up, I'm going to talk about A, B, and C. I'll write down like, okay, uh, domestic aliens, this, and, uh, you know, my mom sucks. Yeah. And, like, it'll be those three. It's always a good closer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like, it's just the bullet point. It's not the entire bit. You just write, my mom sucks. And then it triggers the whole bit for you. So it's almost like I'm not writing down the bit. I'm just writing down what order I want to say it in. Yeah, yeah, bullet points. It's so frustrating uh, because as good as those reminders are, sometimes you – I feel like almost always I leave out one line. Of course. That I was, you know, it, the whole point of this open mic was to get that new line <laughs> in. And that was the one line I forgot to say. <laughs> yep. Ugh, yep. That sucks. Yep. 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 I did this that, mo- that recently today where, uh, yeah, I was, I was doing a new bit about prison. And, yeah, it was just I talked about everything but the one line <laughs> yeah. I wanted to bring up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it probably is the perfect venue and the perfect host. And immediately I think of Evan. Yep. Runs the Anchor Bar. Props Anchor to Bar Evan Cassidy. Anchor Bar is definitely a, a good spot for open mics. Like, it's probably the the most popular and best open mic, at least in Orange County. Yeah, and the fact that it's only three-minute sets says a lot because there's always a good audience. Evan's a great host. Um, yeah, I guess the only drawback is that he might not get up for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, it's like 80 comics a night. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he does he, like nights of a hundred comics and that blows my mind that he, that he could do that. And that uh, there's a, a hundred comics out there just on a Monday Yeah, in Orange County. And it's like, yeah, 20 guys that are grinding and then like another 50 that have done it twice. Yeah. <laughs> It really is the perfect room, though, because there's like, uh, I mean, you're either inside watching the show or you're outside kind of gossiping with other comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like there's any weird in between where there's like a lot of distractions in there. Like people are genuinely want to watch for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I've the I've been there a few times and I've tanked big time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely sucked a dick. Yeah. And it was like. And I don't want to say that it was uh, my material, but it was it, like I, I, I psyched myself out because, yeah, I was waiting so long. I got there at 7, and he's like, yeah, I might get you on at 1030. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. you're like, well, okay. And then you just keep for the next three hours like, well, what do I say? Yeah. Do I say this? Do I say that? <laughs> oh, he – four. 20 comics talked about this before me. I probably shouldn't bring that up. Yeah. It's so funny how we like self-sabotage our own sets. Yeah. Like in, in the spur of the moment, just because we're vibing of the audience a different way or you totally throw out your plans. It's like do we're, our, our, we're our own worst enemy yeah. sometimes where it's like, I should have said this from the get go, but because somebody told, said something vaguely familiar beforehand, I'm not going to bring that up. Yeah. And, I've shot myself in the foot. With me, it's always usually just chickening out like, I don't want to do my new material because it's going <laughs> to suck. I'm going to do something that I know they'll like. Yep. Then the armpit farts come in. <laughs> <laughs> Kills every time. People might, be, people might be walking, but they're walking towards the stage to shake my hand. Right. 
<laughs> just experienced. Greatness. I want to know who've made those f- miraculous fart noises. <laughs> Guy's amazing. He must have buttered up his hands. <laughs> and then the best part would be there would be like eight commas going like, "Dude, that guy just made fart noises all the. What a fucking <laughs> hack! <laughs> the guy stole that from Carlos Mencia. <laughs> he originated that." Yep. <laughs> He's the hacky armpit <laughs> armpit fart joke hack. Uh, I would so faith. take that. Yeah, trying out those new bits. It's some painful stuff. Just when you're just trying to get the words out right the first time and it's not coming out the way you want and people are looking at you like, oh, this is this is what you're gonna do. Do it's- you have your uh your filler word or your filler phrase? Like the uh or like or uh, you know what I'm saying? Definitely like, and I do. We talked about this, right? Yes, off, yes. Uh, off the podcast. Yes, you said like a lot. I have a problem with that. I still say that so much. I I hate myself for saying it because I listen to myself every, and it's always the open mics. It's always you know I don't say it as much in podcast, but when I'm on stage. And especially when I'm working out a bit for the first time, every other word is like, like, I'm like, 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 and it's like, stop saying that. Stop saying it. That's the only way to correct it is just keep listening to it. And, you know, other guys, it's, uh, a lot of comedians we know, they slip in God is dead all the time. God is dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta shake that off. That's a nervous tick you got there. I wish I said that. (laughs) So I was hanging out with this you know, with my buddy, God is dead. <laughs> and, and I was, you know, doing some open mic, God is dead. It's like, does he even know he's <laughs> saying that? <laughs> what would Jesus do? What should Jesus do? Reboot the entire series of Police Academy starring as Mahoney or reboot the entire <laughs> Matrix trilogy starring as Neo. Ah. You know, I think the Neo thing is more... It's Like on it the suits, nose? Yeah, it's on the nose. It suits him more. I would yeah. love to see his take on Mahoney. <laughs> Mahoney's like a pretty... I mean, is it kind of a goofy, straight man kind of thing, but I feel like Jesus could offer something. You, see, you see him in a robe with the like arrow pointing at the bun in the oven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was his, his shirt. Right? Yeah. Um, or would he be better as Michael Winslow doing like the sound <laughs> effects? <laughs> I was gonna say maybe in the bobcat role too. Uh, you, uh, you got a name? What do they call you? Jughead. Jughead. My, my mother's name is Jughead. Oh well, I've been thinking of changing it. Why? That's a good American name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Michael Winslow. Jesus says like, a, hey guys. God, I thought I thought that was so damn funny when I was a kid. Hell yeah, Bobcat Goldthwait, what a character! And props to Bobcat still staying relevant in the Hell comedy yeah. scene. Um, I and he's definitely not the character anymore. Yeah, he's nah. just Bob Goldthwait, but yeah. he's so funny. That he's so funny. I like his movies too. I love his dark sense of humor. Yes. Um, God, I feel so bad. I remember my brother. I think pointed this out to me. Michael Winslow. 
at one point was being hired for birthday parties. Oh. That, just, that just bummed me out, though. Just like, ah, oh, that's what he has to do. Yep, you're doing movies, um, and now you're doing sound effects at birthday parties. Yeah, and I guess his stand-up wasn't so hot, but... Uh, Anyway, I I enjoyed everything he did back in the eighties. I love his appearance in Spaceballs too. And, yeah, I'm rooting for that guy, but it bummed me out that he was doing birthday parties. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would, but on the other hand, money's money. <laughs> well, when I said that, you were pretty positive about it. He's like, "Hey, I'd, I'd hire him for my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see Michael Winslow do some." Really? Yeah, you got his number? <laughs> I know. I'm feeling. I'm the idiot that's doing armpit farts. <laughs> I feel bad. I should be feeling bad for uh, myself. Would you like to be a guy that was known for one good impression or known for doing like machine sound effects and, you know, bleeps and blurps? And <laughs> I'll go with the bleeps and blurps. The Instead of bleeps. like a really good Christopher Walken. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that I still see so many people do that. Um, there are those like certain voices. It's like par for the course where it's like, if you're going to be an impressionist, you got to do this. You just have to, it's, you know, one of the voices. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I think it just goes back to that. Uh, goes back to just starting out comedy. You have an idea of what's going to be funny. And, and a yep. lot of us end up doing impressions. <laughs> would you go to space? Do you have a fear of Hell doing something? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. I would do it, but here's the thing. My body does not handle space. (laughs) (laughs) I can already tell that it's not. Because I went to the uh, Kennedy Space Center in Florida once. Oh, man. Yeah, it was fun. You did one of the simulation things? I did a bunch of the simulations, and every time I went on it, I fucking ralphed. Really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can see that. That's tough. I puked hardcore. Like, all that one thing that just, like, you're in a big centrifugal just spinning motion. I... No, 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 no. I did not handle that at all. As soon as, like, we got into, like, the first rotation, I was like, let me off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already done. And then, like, Did yeah, you have the, to complete it, or did they let I you off? I did. Okay. And then, like, yeah, after I got off, I fucking just heaved my guts out. <laughs> oh, and then realized, like, yeah, I'm not going to space. <laughs> I just, I wish I could. I wish, like, all that, like, Elon Musk stuff and the the... Richard Branson, like, going into the stratosphere. That sounds awesome. Was that, like, a, a childhood dream, the space thing? Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, just physically can't handle it. <laughs> right, right. Did you go to space camp? I wanted to. My brother did. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, I thought I, it sounded so glamorous at the time, and then he brought home a, a VHS tape um, <laughs> that I guess you can buy there of your experience. Of course. And it was a great montage of, like, him sitting in the cafeteria with a bunch of kids and, like, looking at cool stuff but not actually doing cool stuff. Him eating yeah. freeze-dried ice right. cream. <laughs> right. That's the one thing I'd be down with. I love that ice cream. But... Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he came back with a suit, which is kind of cool. But he had a onesie. He had like the yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Do you uh, like to collaborate with like certain people, or do you like to just write by yourself? Oh or? yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I've had people approach me about writing together, and I kind of shied away from it because I'm stubborn and I'm like, oh, I've got my own idea of what's funny. Right. Like, um, who needs you? I, I did like collaborating on like comedy sketches and stuff like that when it's like a video, but sketches it, I can see that are a little bit more communal. Yeah, and but I don't know. I I probably 
I probably shouldn't say no to those things. If I stayed open about it, I'm sure I'd have a good experience. But I'm I'm still kind of a stickler about like I gotta come up with it on my own. There's like part of it's a stupid pride thing. I have that happen, especially on this podcast where you know we'll be riffing about something, me and my uh, fellow comedian or guest or whatever, and then I'll just be thinking to myself like, "Wow, that was really funny." Yeah. And then I'm thinking to myself, "Well, should I bring that up on stage, or is that uh, his yeah. bit, yeah, or yeah. is like, like whose is it? Like we both thought about it, yeah. we're both talking about it, yeah. But whose is it, like?" Yeah, you got to bring it up. Like, and would he after. be upset if I did bring up this, or is that? Yeah, you got to ask in the moment when the idea is still up there. Like, hey, that's really funny. Do you mind if I use that? Would Would you want to use but that? But then, as soon as you say that, he's going to be like, "Oh no, I don't want you to use that's mine." I don't think so. I think a lot of comedians are pretty generous about just stupid things that mm. they're riffing on mm. in the in conversation. <laughs> I've asked some guys and then like, I never remember to use those things anyway. So you're saying that I can use that James Franco movie bit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Could take that one to the grave, buddy. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> you might want to man. close, do your mom sucks and then close, <laughs> close with the James Franco movie pitch. <laughs> okay. So domesticating aliens, moving into James Franco, moving into my mom sucks. <laughs> and then I'll be no- nodding proudly when your first special goes out like I gave him that. I gave him that tag. <laughs> and then I'll I'll do the fart armpit. Oh yeah. Be like son of a bitch stole my work. What well, stole it from me? Who stole it from Carlos Mencia, but still that's like third generation thievery. <laughs> you see that armpit? I told him to do that. <laughs> Some kid named Frankie Frankie Farts in the twenties came up with that bit. I gotta give credit where credit's due. Frankie Farts. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, the one guy in the audience. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Well, I'll say one last thing. Um, I think it was Melissa Villasenor. Uh, I'm happy about her. Who's on SNL? Yeah, yeah. SNL. Uh, she just goes by the three things, which is just um, be nice, be funny, work hard. And it's you know it's always those simple things that stick with you forever. It's like, yeah. oh, anybody could have said yeah. that. But uh, I think that's a great thing to live by. Just be funny, you know, work hard. And what was the first thing? Oh, yeah. Be nice. <laughs> if you remember to be nice, that's cool. But it's not that necessary. We could go on forever. We could. I'm sorry. It's all good. But I have definitely want to thank Marty again for coming in, hanging out, having some laughs, playing uh, some, some good segments, and definitely just being a mensch to the world of comedy and podcasts. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> Thanks, man. And hopefully he'll come on again. We'll have him on uh, with other comedians, maybe. Who knows what else? Uh, you'll have to tune in to find out. But definitely, if you want to check out Marty and all of his doings, you can go to... I, well, Instagram, Open Mic Reviews. You could also just follow me on my regular Instagram account, Marty Worst, M-A-R-T-Y-W-U-R-S-T. You could go to MartyWurst.com. If you want to listen to my audiobooks, you can go to Audible. I, I've done two books, uh, Zombies in Love and another book called Dark Sanity. And uh, I think that's 
probably it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely, guys, check me out every week on Mondays. This is when the podcast drops, as well as uh, definitely check me out all over uh, OC and LA and wherever you uh, find open mics. Uh, I'll probably be there. And if you want to hit me up on social media, my Twitter account is The D Stories, or you can go to Facebook or Instagram at This Comics Life, or you can write me on the archaic email. It's This Comics Life Pod at gmail.com. Write me. Definitely tell me if you like it or if you don't. And. Here is some good audio goodness. I don't know. <laughs> Top of the world, Ma. I'm doing comedy. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, man.